It's so critically important that that update be pushed out immediately to everybody's device whether they need a reboot or not! Hello and welcome to episode number 95 of Grumpy Old Benz for Friday, September 18th, 2020. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where the weather is nice and cool, but PayPal kept crashing my machine. And from America's left coast, where the temperature is dropping, the leaves are turning colors and the politicians are back to whining about climate change. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Oh, we're back to that now from rioting. Yeah, it's we're, we're going back to normal. No more police brutality. The climate's our enemy again. Well, I'm sure that'll pop up again, but it's it's actually a good sign. It's like the the fresh shoots in the spring where you're like, OK, everything nature is returning to normal when the politicians stop whining about racism or or coronavirus and starts whining about the kind of things they whined about in previous years. You should be happy about that. They're bringing it back to where the you know baseline is that kind of it. Either that or they're just going back to the well. Well, that could be too. That could be I too. Mean, I mean, the, the, the local dictator here did run a completely unsuccessful presidential campaign on a single issue of climate change. And how did that work out for him? Well, he, he's now referencing that when he goes and points out that the uh, all of these fires that are going on, which coincidentally happen to be about every quarter mile right along the interstate, are totally caused by climate change and not by arsonists. Right. Even though they've, well, caught arsonists. Yes. I, you know, believe it or not, I, I, the wildfires happen every freaking year around this time of year in, on, in the Western U.S. It is a thing that happens. Uh, you know, the, the severity of the fires is a direct result of how badly mismanaged the forests are and whether or not people are allowed to do any kind of controlled burns anymore. Hint in California, not at all. In Washington and Oregon, it's really difficult because uh did you know if you want to do a controlled burn, you have to file an environmental impact report and give everybody 30 days to comment and on whether or not they think that it's a good idea for the environment before you can do a controlled burn. It you, you mean makes to protect. total sense that, that the so the Obviously, you know, the moment that you file these reports, then somebody is going to sue saying, I don't want a controlled burn within 10 miles of my property. I might inhale a smoke particle. And so forest management these days is just uncontrolled burns where you wait until a day when the wind is really good and whipping and then uh, something starts fires. Normally, that something is lightning. Um, that's pretty much the primary cause. It's what caused most of the fires in previous years. I have every reason to believe it's what caused most of the fires this year. Uh, but they are being helped by added fires by arsonists. I don't think there's any way to deny that unless you're Facebook, but that's, you know, the uncontrolled fires tend to level houses. And, uh, if you've seen those pictures from the towns in Southern Oregon, where the the whole fucking town has just been erased from the map. Yeah. I don't get it. I don't how do you not understand that you need to do the small ones? You have to keep this thing. Uh, you have to keep the areas free of the brush in order not to have the major fires. How is this lost on people? Or is it really to the point uh, where they would it, rather see it burn? 
it's lost on people because of fantastic censorship efforts by groups like Facebook. Uh, I actually don't have much on the Facebook story, but I, I have a story and I have a quote because this quote bothered me. It made me grumpy. Uh, <clears throat> uh, let's see. Facebook is, quote, removing false claims the wildfires in Oregon were started by certain groups. This is based on confirmation from law enforcement that these rumors are forcing local fire and police agencies to divert resources from fighting the fires and protecting the public. This is consistent with our past efforts to remove content that could lead to imminent harm given the possible risk to human life as the fires rage on. So now accusing Antifa of starting fires and maybe even warning people about arsonists will imminently threaten human life, according to Facebook. Well, you know, Antifa isn't actually a group. It's just an ideology. Yeah, I've heard that. That's <laughs> that's also, you know, I guess anything saying that Antifa is a group is also banned on Facebook. And the number of people out there whose only interaction with other human beings this year, especially is Facebook uh, are doomed to be woefully uninformed. Because that site is a steaming pile. Um, I mean, it does make sense, by the way, that there is some basis in the, 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 the idea that if you are starting incorrect rumors all over the place about arson, you're going to stretch local authorities pretty thin. But don't do that. Um, if, if you are telling legitimate rumors about some dude who was caught on your property with matches and you held him at gunpoint until the cops showed up. I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing that gets banned off Facebook now. Well, it is. It's censorship, Go social media. It's the thing that, you know, the Tucker Carlson had the scientist. She wasn't a doctor, right? The scientist or was she a doctor also that came from China because she said this was a virus that originated in a lab that got out. And of course, that's all being taken down. Anything as we've talked about that doesn't go right down the line of what the WHO says is good will be removed, even if it is now a Dr. Atlas, a guy that is one of the advisors to the president. Things that he's saying are being taken down. This is getting very scary that the amount of censorship that is out there and I don't get it. I really don't understand what Well, I do. I understand what happened to the media. It's become overrun by activists and people that aren't really into getting you the correct story or the facts. Yeah. And, and, and people who have been brainwashed by years of critical race theory training. I mean, it's I, I, I don't blame everybody for their. I mean, I can blame people for being stupid, but it's what people do. It's like like blaming a cat for being furry. But yeah okay lots of people coming out and joining the ranks of these new of these businesses are completely retarded and i can blame them for not doing any critical thinking but at the same time nobody's taught them critical thinking we've only taught them critical race theory yes and you're right it's like the uh, dilbert comic strip that i sent you the other day that was from like a year ago which was dogbert you know the little the little evil dog that said oh i decided i'm gonna start my own podcast and the Biggest audience is dumb people, so I'm going to go after them. And then Dilbert asks him the question, well, how is your podcast going to make the world better? And Dogbert responds with, I can tell by your question that you're really going to enjoy my podcast. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, the, the last thing I have on it is I was going to read a, a post that I, I ended up sending it during the No Agenda show yesterday, which may have got it 
uh, drowned out. But it was the thing that I thought of when reading this Facebook story where they were censoring more and more things. And uh, the, the line is Facebook and Twitter have become so transparent and consistent with their blatant political bias that censorship of any anti-left story may now be taken as proof of the veracity of that story. And I don't know if that, that follows is logically solid, but uh, it, it, it intuitively makes sense anymore. Well, it is a very interesting thing and a very interesting problem that I don't think anybody really saw coming, you know, 20 or 30 years ago is that we would eventually get to a point where a vast majority of our communications, right. Are controlled by private parties that i mean censorship when it comes to a government you know it's pretty easy to get a handle on that when it's a yeah you file a first amendment lawsuit because they're not allowed to do that yeah private parties are and that's where that's where the things really start going down that proverbial slippery slope because it's well within facebook's right if they want to go yeah we're just going to not allow any right-wing content of course then they lose some protections because they're obviously then a publisher, not a you know third party site that's just there to allow allow people the opportunity to communicate. But this is where the internet's going, and we knew it was coming with the bullying stuff because that was first and foremost the first little prong of this, which was oh. We have to protect the children. We don't want them to be bullied, do we? I mean, so we have to do something. Won't somebody please think of the children? Yes, exactly. And this is just like naming your organization Black Lives Matter or naming something the Patriot Act. It is put out there in such a way where it's like, well, you can't be against this. This is such a good thing. Of course, if you say you're against Black Lives Matter, you're a racist. The joke's on you. I've hated all people since way before you said it was cool. It works better that way, yeah. I think. But It's just easier. It's a more logically consistent position. You know, these social media networks, again, this is why we did our first real episode on these things, because we saw this coming a year and a half ago. It was already well along the route to where it is now, and it's just it's just sped up quite a bit, because I don't even think we predicted this. A year and a half ago that it would get to this point it was more like hey you know what we're going down this road and if this continues but this is kind of like we got there immediately and the hey, orange I, man I, bad trump derangement it's all a part of it i i don't need to know the final destination to know that the road that we're on is is not going anywhere good you know and it's interesting to, to watch this stuff and technology doesn't always work my little intro blurb before we get too far from the start of the show, I go to look at the PayPal account on days that we do a show because that's how we get a majority of the people that want to donate to the show. And we appreciate that we get the donations in through PayPal. So I rebooted my computers. I usually do in the morning. And I did I'm have so a bunch sorry. Of, that must have been traumatic. It is. It's very traumatic. But I had a bunch of stuff that needed to be unzipped and unrard because, you know, I download like 60 gig of music a day. So there's always a bunch of stuff. So I started that up i started something else up i went to the paypal page hit login and the computer just froze everything went black the monitors went black no blue screen of death but the your browser's not supposed to be able to do that i know so this is my question to you and the other coders out there i mean cold acid we're looking at you we know you know what you're doing with this stuff and i rebooted the computer 
and didn't do anything else this time. So I'm like, okay, let's see if we can figure out exactly what this is. And I went back to the PayPal main page in Brave. This is my main driver. So I've been brave. I go in, the PayPal main page loads up fine again. The minute I hit login, the little button, boom, same thing. Computer freezes, the mouse stops moving, everything just goes black. No blue you screen. Got malware on your computer. No, I don't believe that's the case. No, you admitted to having Windows. Well, yes, there's there is that. So then I decided to test this. I went and rebooted the computer again and then moved on to Firefox. Opened up the PayPal homepage. Fine. Hit the little login button. Boom. Computer dies. And I know weird. It is very weird. So I rebooted again. I went into Microsoft Edge. Boom. It didn't crash the computer. I'm like, okay, maybe this is a sign. Told you it's it's Microsoft. (laughs) It may be. But then I went back to Brave and I went back to Firefox and it opened fine then. So I don't know if momentarily that the PayPal site had been owned in one way, shape or form. I don't know. I didn't have time to look into whether their button to log in was simply a link to their login page or if there's some kind of JavaScript or some kind of scripting going on. But it happened three or four times in different browsers that I'd go to the PayPal homepage. The homepage would load up fine. The minute you would hit the little button that said login, boom, computer crapped out. So uh, for, first of all, allow me to dispel at least one of your theories. Uh, JavaScript is not supposed to be able to do this. And um, I, I don't know that there's any browser maker out there that would have the you know lockup system command in response to you know, would, would expose that to the I mean that that doesn't sound like the kind of thing that that any browser maker would want to expose so i'm feeling like there was something already on your system that is uh in in collusion with and and i say that it's it just interacting with not necessarily malicious um, right right it sounds like and and now I'm totally spitballing because I know nothing other than than just you've piqued my interest. And as as a software tester, I'm going to throw out things that I would would want to mess with if I cared to actually solve this issue, which I don't, because frankly, I'd rather make fun of you for it. But it sounds like some kind of authentication library is being launched, which is either, uh, it, you know, it, it has been. You know, it, it it's probably launching some DLL for authentication, and I'm not sure exactly what the scenario is. But once it's launching some local code, either that thing is damaged, uh, has been replaced by malware. Maybe I mean, it doesn't seem likely. You're not dumb enough to download all the dancing monkeys all the time. Um, but it's going in, and you know the the other possibility, and we've we've talked about the. The add-on Intel chips, which are all black boxes and giant security vulnerability factories, right? Um, and a lot of the the secure, you know, quote unquote secure chips, because a lot of them have names like secure, because as black boxes, the the very first default that they always get is they start out as people don't know how to code against them, and therefore that increases security. But eventually, somebody figures out how to code against them, and there's still no documentation, so now you can't protect against those vulnerabilities so they end up being worse in the long run but if somebody is come up with if if some bit of malware from all the things you've been downloading has gone in and injected a bit of weirdness into one of those chips then 
maybe that code is, you know, and, and, and it doesn't have to be something malicious. It could easily be a, you know, a 10 go to 10 type of thing, which just locks up a CPU. And, you know, when, if you're doing that in low enough level code, it'll, it'll fuck up your whole program. But yeah, I, it was weird. odd. Yeah. We'll look at, we'll have to look at the logs and see. And I guess it's also possible that once I loaded this up in, the edge browser that it did something that cleared whatever it was out and then the other browsers yeah. start going fine so i'm like well that that was that was one of the clues by the way is if if a particularly broken bit of code got wedged into one of the weird deep security coprocessors then everything that called into that would end up launching that code if they were relying on a third party vendor but microsoft they probably they're probably the only ones who have the intel instruction manual how to do this because the os is supposed to write it and edge being pseudo part of the os probably just pushed a fresh bit of authentication code out to that location and that's thus fixed it by wiping out the the broken code yes i mean that's the thing i found the most odd was the fact not that it happened because this kind of stuff happens all the time <laughs> you just break shit yeah and computers but, are failing around you left and right pretty much but when you He's then like go tester. when you go from brave which is chromium based to firefox which isn't then you shouldn't get the same results would be no the, I, the exact same results usually means they're running the same code which is why i'm thinking this was an os service of some kind you're right, Harry Hamster. It is time to upgrade. This computer is about three years old. So if you could donate like eighteen hundred bucks, I can buy a new one. Can can we upgrade to Windows 11 and get rid of this whole 10 bullshit? I don't think Windows 11 is out yet. I don't think Windows 11 is ever coming out. Maybe it's it's, it's going to be one of these things kind of like uh, with Apple. They just keep releasing updates to the one and just giving it new names. And that's fine. Well, you know, that's why they settled on Windows 10 for their permanent version is because that's what Apple did with Mac OS. Yeah, it was like OS X, OS X 10, 10.1, 10.2. What are they up to? Like 10.300 now? Uh huh. But it's 10 because it's a perfect 10. Yeah. Marketing, baby. No question about it. So, yeah. Although I've never quite understood. Maybe I haven't paid enough attention to Apple's marketing. Is it supposed to be OS 10 or OS X? I think 10. Eh, I think I don't care. But you asked. I know. (laughs) It's just Roman numerals. They're just cool. Yeah. Yeah, They're being, they're being hip. Quick going back to those. Ancient Roman, numerals. Yeah. Roman numerals were cool before numbers were cool. Yeah, they were the, the, the hipster of numbers. <laughs> nice. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there is there is some actual tech news going on in the world. And we'll talk about that. Yes, despite our best efforts. You know, there is some stuff going on in the political vein. And when it comes, well, talking about the censorship, the weirdest thing I've seen on any major news network it was covered on no agenda yesterday it's been covered on everybody's news you know bill o'reilly covered it it's been on every major website that i've looked at Did so you're you, feeling like jumping on the bandwagon yeah well i it, it just seemed to be the most egregious example of everything that we've been talking about for the last year and a half when it comes to the media and that's what no agenda has been doing now for 10 11 12 years which is, did you see the video or at least hear the clip of Newt Gingrich on Fox News talking about the rioting? I actually don't recall that. Well, this was great because he was on no agenda yesterday. He maybe, was. Maybe if you hum a few bars. 
he was talking about how the problem was in the district attorneys, which we've talked about. Yeah, because, we've known that. And how all these people have been funded to get them into office and then be weak on crime. And you know who funded them, correct? I've, I've heard rumors. I don't know that we, we say, do we say that name on this show? We do. Okay, then Soros. That's what he said. And the Fox host, there was another woman on as well. So it was their usual, you know, they never have one guest on at a time. But he says George Soros funded this, this, and this. And she literally came back with, I don't, I don't think we need to bring George Soros into this. <laughs> well, I'd like George Soros to butt out of this. I mean, literally. And then Newt Gingrich was like, well, what are you talking about? I mean, he, he funded this. Why, why can't we talk about this? And then the other woman that was on was like, yeah, I don't think we need to bring George Soros into this. It's like, and then there was the, the oddest thing out of the whole thing is there was silence for seconds with nobody talking. This is, this was how much of a breakdown this was because Newt Gingrich was just kind of like, you know, screw you guys without saying screw you guys. And it was the weirdest thing I've seen. And it goes along Curry, Adam Curry was the first guy to, and I remember hearing this from a couple of years ago, which is the Fox News today is no longer the conservative network there. No. Anything well, it, but. Was, it was in the 2012 election that uh, Adam, either Adam or John, but they made the bold statement at the time that uh, has proven to be pretty damn close to true if you really pay attention. That uh, Fox News is run by Democrats. Uh huh. And at the time, the rationale and the one that I used on a lot of people before, because, you know, you say Fox News is run by Democrats and people will just fucking scoff at you. And the rationale that's actually pretty much worked with every single person I've ever tried to convince of this is, well, in, or the, the, the rationale I always used is they claim to be Republican, but you have to admit they are completely ridiculous. And if the Republicans are smart, they would never let somebody that stupid represent them. Therefore it's actually the Democrats trying to make the Republicans look stupid. And most people buy that explanation. I'm not even sure that's true anymore, but I always liked it. Yeah. And talk about being able to influence an election. Cause there are a couple of conservatives still on the network, including Sean Hannity, who is a you know big time right wing opinion guy. But the rest of the coverage is going and, left. Well, and also seeing how the only Murdoch's left running the owning the company are all leftists. Um, I, I can't imagine how Fox News could possibly remain far right wing regardless. I mean, you know, they make a crap ton of money pandering to far right wing people. But it, at some point, the the people at the top, you know, with with Rupert gone. There, there really aren't a lot of conservatives in that family anymore. Um, they're they're at some point they're going to be like, yeah, we'd really like you to tone down the the anti Biden rhetoric because uh, <laughs> we like the guy and uh, he he gives us he gives us the legislation we like when we donate to his campaign. So can you just kind of ixnay on the Iden Bay, right? And Biden last night had a town hall, if you can really call it that, and this came. Yeah together in a very weird way i know you listen to random thoughts you know a little bit about this already i try not to which was and i was not watching biden last night i was listening to john and carolyn and phone boy on a much better show 
I was watching uh, Stephen Crowder cover the Biden thing, which was hilarious in its own uh, in its own right. But the town hall Trump had one on ABC with George Stephanopoulos, I think, on Monday. And of course, Stephanopoulos would not let him talk. He would interrupt him. He was instantly fact checking him. And Trump still did his so bit. like what I do with you. Kind of. And Trump did his bit, though. He went out there and he took the questions and he took it and he didn't come off looking great, but he was in a very hostile audience. There's no question about it. Now, ABC offered the same thing to Joe Biden and his people came back with, no, 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 we're just we're too busy. We can't find time. It's like, who can't I mean, find because time? They know, they know that if you ever put Biden out in front of all of the core Democrat support, not not the far left ones or the always blue, no matter who people, but the the core of the group, which are the ones who have to be convinced every time if they ever put Biden on a microphone in front of those people, if, if Biden supporters ever hear Biden actually talk, they'd be like, oh, this is who we're right. And a lot of them, of course, will hold their nose and be like, yeah, but he's not Trump, which is the only qualification he has. But man, he would he can do nothing but lose votes by actually opening his mouth. Well, which is why I don't think it takes a genius to figure out he wouldn't find the time for ABC. But all of a sudden, a very hastily thrown together town hall with CNN last night. And if you remember, it was CNN and uh, was it Donna Brazil that admitted giving Hillary Clinton the questions before the town hall when uh, she was. I do remember this. when she was going up against Trump. So now you have to ask the question is the reason Biden won't do a town hall with ABC. Maybe ABC still has some journalistic integrity, some, maybe a little and chooses. Uh, it's, it's hard to believe, but let's go ahead and entertain it for this story. Yeah. And also we know CNN is a cable network who has a much smaller reach no, they're, than they're ABC fucking tabloid. You know, ABC is still a national network. That everybody gets. I mean, even if you don't have cable, most people get ABC over the air. So why would you not go do it on ABC, but you'll run to CNN? And the other weird thing that was pointed out by Steven Crowder was this whole thing was said to have been pre-recorded because God forbid you put Biden on the air live. And I don't know if it was or wasn't, but no, according- his puppeteers can't react to live questions that quickly. They have to know what he's going to say ahead of time. They need more practice. There's no question about it. But according to everybody that this was supposed to be pre-recorded, but when they were running it last night on CNN, they used the live tag. I mean, we've all seen live newscasts. You have the little thing that says live. So we know that it's live. But really, was it? I mean, if it was pre-recorded, I mean, I know it was live when they recorded it, but there's there's a question there, too. Calling a post-mortem reanimation of Joe Biden live is. probably number 57 on the list of terrible lies that cnn told during a 10 minute period yesterday yeah and he didn't i mean biden didn't do horribly but if this can be explained away by the fact he had the questions and he was misspeaking a lot like for instance when instead of saying china he said kinda and didn't catch it and that's fine i mean i get it he's getting old and i'll give him a little bit of leeway there but he has I'll a hard time keeping a train getting, of thought. I'll, I'll give him sympathy for getting old, but he gets no leeway because the dude is still running for president. Right. And I'm sorry, but it, it would really help to have somebody 
in as a president who has a fucking brain in their head or working. And I understand, you know, Biden has a long and distinguished career of being a corrupt politician. And yes, okay, he gets our sympathy now because he's suffering dementia, but that doesn't excuse the fact that either he has been a corrupt person for decades, even when he had a working brain, and also is purporting to become the president of the United States, a job which can't actually be done by a vegetable. Are you sure? I mean, arugula might have well, a better chance than Biden. I mean, even even Biden is calling it the Harris administration. Yes, it, it is guaranteed sometime in October that Biden is going to be forced to bow out of the race for medical condition reasons or something. Somebody's probably going to do an exam and be like, actually, his mind is going or, or something, you know, some excuse, you know, the, the best excuse is the ones that happen to be true. Right. Uh, but at some point, you know, right before the election. Uh, Biden is going to bow out either that or right after. Right the election. after. I think it has to be right after. I think and, before and it, it becomes get, the Harris administration. Well, she called it the Harris administration. He called it the Harris administration. That's what, uh, you know, John and Adam on no agenda. always say, you know, the truth wants to come out when these little slip ups, when people make these little mistakes. And that may be the case here. This may be the plan that is in the bag, which is, well, we know because uh, if only you're right. Well, we know Kamala. When it was primary time, when she was fighting with Biden and the rest, I mean, she only got like two or three percent support. But if this is the person they want in the office, this is the way to do the end run around the American people. Of course they do. For all of the people who thought that Harris was terrible, they'd be like, well, we tried to get Biden. And for all of the people who they don't really care about issues or whether or not the person can speak and they only care about skin color and gender, then Harris is perfect. Besides, I mean, she you know had that surgery to make her suddenly black when she was Indian before. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a little, you know, there's there's a lot of questions about her family, you know, owning slaves. I mean, how does the ADOS folks want to vote for a woman whose grandmother owned slaves? But that's another story i suppose I, I i can't fault her for that i can fault her for owning 45 million slaves in the state of california well you know i agree but normal I, rational I, people aren't going to blame your ancestors for what they did but that's what her folks are doing so i mean her you know that's yes her and, base and they're wrong and i'm not going to stoop to that level all uh, right yeah every human being has both slaves and slave owners in their ancestry somewhere and it is intellectually disingenuous and dishonest to be cherry picking one particular time period in order to decide that one group is oppressed and one group isn't oppressed. But at the same time, that's what that's what cultural Marxism is about. That's what critical race theory is about is intellectual dishonesty uh, combined with appeals to emotion and uh, making sure to stoke both fear, shame, and outrage all at the same time for your political ends. Congratulations. Well, and in most elections, though, nobody gives a crap about who's running for vice president. In this election, it's vital. It really is. Because is, is Pence really that vital? No, but Kamala is because yeah. that's that's who you're really voting for. And I don't know if I, the, I'm not. I don't know if the well, that's who that party is voting for. And I would think We'll be seeing this in ads, although that'll those will all be tagged by social media that 
no, no, Biden's really they're going to be the president. No, this yeah. this this I'm, concept I'm sure that-, that Kamala's going to just take over the role. That's crap. Even though you have both of them calling it the Harris organization, that'd be some great commercial stuff. But worry not that if if anything breaks about this, uh, you you can be assured that Facebook will go ahead and censor it to make sure that the narrative fits. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, we talked about the group of people that Facebook put together in order to decide what should and shouldn't be allowed and what should and shouldn't be censored. I mean, show me one conservative in the group. they, They put together a an incredibly diverse panel from people of all race, ethnicity, gender across the entire left side of the spectrum. I will really be interested once this thing is all said and done to see who black men voted for. I think this is going to be an interesting election when it comes to that demographic. If they don't, if they don't vote for Biden, they ain't black. Well, that's what he said. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. he, He did say that. But he, I, he literally just in case anybody out here doesn't realize uh, Biden did literally say, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black, uh-huh. which is one of the most racist things I've ever heard from a politician in a long time. But he smiled when he said it. Yeah, I smile when I say a lot of hateful things. <laughs> really? I didn't know you spewed a lot of hateful rhetoric. Uh, that's because you don't listen to me on this show. Oh, yeah, that's probably true. But that's the interesting thing, because. As Mo Fax said a few episodes back, if he had to pick as far as deciding, is he more black or is he more male when it comes to those two things in your life? And the same thing for anybody. It's like, well, do you look at your gender first or do you look at your race? And he said, I have to look at my gender. I mean, that's more important. I think and most people would agree with that, except for the people race baiting, trying to cause problems between the races. I think I- most of the time. That's what a normal person would say. Like, I have, I would associate first as a man. I would before I'd well, be like, I, I'm a white I, guy. I think as far as the left is and leftist politicians, the Democrats are concerned, there's a lot of blackmail involved. Yeah, maybe there's a lot of a lot of uh, pictures. So how do you of, feel about doing a tech story? We do a lot of them here we, on Grumpy Old I know, but we still take heat whenever we do things that aren't tech. I know. Big loaf. And, and Biden is very not technological. He, his his wetware was installed long before the computer age. You think he hasn't had an upgrade <laughs> yet? No, nobody's upgraded <laughs> Biden's firmware. Uh, oh, you, they've opened up his be, head. Why didn't they upgrade the firmware? Yeah, really. Seriously. Just just, just flash a new patch on there somewhere. <laughs> I love it. We need it. The new and improved so, Biden. The big story from this morning is, uh, well, I did the, the big Ars Technica story that popped out, which is why I saw about 12 people talking about it, uh, is that TikTok and WeChat are shutting down on Sunday. Yeah. You're familiar with this? I am because Cold Acid sent me that same link this morning. Yeah. Well, nobody sent it to me. I had to go find the article, but. Well, they don't like you as much. I Yeah, I get that. That checks. Uh. So, yeah, um, 45 days ago on the 6th of August, uh, Trump, Donald Trump, president uh, by executive order, decided to legislate that uh, the companies WeChat and TikTok are enemies of the United States and shall be shut down. And uh, he gave the Department of Commerce 45 days to come up with a plan of how to shut these apps down without impacting American users who might benefit from them and the department of commerce came up with nothing so at this point the plan is 
since the 45 day deadline expires on Sunday is to say, yep, those apps had better be turned off or we're going to start finding people, which means mainly uh, Apple and Google are no longer allowed to distribute them in the app store. Uh, you know, payment processors are no longer allowed to process any transactions via WeChat. Um, the, uh, uh, this one is a little bit weird because it's so vague. ISPs and CDNs are banned from, quote, enabling the functioning or optimization of these apps. Um, it, it, read that really, really liberally. And what it means is that if if your ISP allows any TikTok or WeChat packets across the network, then you could be fined by the Department of Commerce. Um, I don't think. That's even remotely enforceable, let alone the the correct interpretation. But I'm not really sure what it means to be enabling or functioning or optimization of the apps. So uh, ISPs and CDNs are encouraged to, in fact, by the Department of Commerce, they are encouraged to contact their lawyers to determine if this affects them. Always contact your lawyer. Yeah, well, wish that wasn't required. I, you know, the 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 world of laws that I'd like to be in is one where the laws are simple enough that any normal educated person can be expected to know what laws apply to them at any given time. And the profession of lawyer is not necessary. But of course, when you live in a world of bureaucrats where everybody demands to be told what to do 24 seven, yeah, my utopia is not going to come to fruition, at least not with people. Well, this whole story is interesting on a different, you know, a whole few different levels. One, The fact that a president can sign an executive order, which can pretty much take apps out of an app store, is fantastic and scary all at the same it's, time. That's actually, from a constitutional policy perspective, that's fucking ridiculous. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure Trump knows it. But at the same time, um, he got shot down by a court saying that Trump cannot rescind Obama's executive orders on Obamacare. And he went with that. Because why wouldn't you? You're like, you've got a court now saying that executive orders have the same force as any law passed by Congress. Why wouldn't he? That's what Trump is doing now is he is. Fuck Congress. Congress can go whine. They can go impeach him again for all he cares. He doesn't need them anymore. He is passing all this legislation. And it. I happen to agree with a number of the things he's doing. But God damn, when it's not Trump doing the same thing, this is going to be infuriating. And I really hate the practice. Well, he's learned from Barry. There's no doubt about it. He's learned from Barack Obama what can be done. And you have a certain amount of time before these things are expired and there's nothing that can be done about it. But it's interesting when we're talking about companies and social media that are silencing the conservative voices. I mean, what's to stop Trump from picking up his pen and going, oh, Twitter's an enemy of the United States. Boom gone can't run Uh, i mean i mean he didn't do that per se i know he has already picked up his pen and said uh these companies well uh, what what he did by executive order was he uh instructed the uh was f ftc fcc one of the two Danny agencies he instructed the federal agencies i want to say the fcc or ftc one of them uh or Or both, both maybe yeah, maybe um, he instructed them to investigate whether or not uh, Section 230 still applies to Twitter, to Facebook, because they are behaving like content publishers 
by carefully curating and censoring what information is available on their platform. And uh, I, I think especially going down, you know, what we already talked about a few minutes ago with Facebook very carefully censoring the the anti-left stories uh, and Twitter doing the same thing that I, I think I mean, it, this is the Trump administration, so the, the deck might be stacked, but I'm feeling like there's going to be some Section 230 fallout from this where these companies are not going to be covered by Safe Harbor anymore unless they radically change how they curate content on their published platform. I would think they would have to because I'm fine with any of these companies deciding that there are a certain language maybe that you shouldn't have. If you want it to be children friendly, and I mean, I'm not somebody that thinks the Internet should be child friendly. If you've been listening to this show or random thoughts, I, I think children need to grow the fuck up. Yeah. And I don't think the Internet's a place. That Some of them do is for children. I don't think anybody under a certain age, whatever you can argue with that may or may not be. But so many of these stories that come out, including the latest one, I saw you talking about it in the troll room earlier with the guy from Chicago that's on the Netflix cheer thing that was asking for naked photos of a 13 year old boy, you know, when he was 19 or 20. But this comes down again to parents. Don't give your fucking 13 year old a phone. This is how you will take care of these problems. But I digress because parents will just uh, uh, never learn. Arguably, the idea that the Internet is not for kids might have even worked five years ago when it, it was still possible to have a life outside the house without having to go to the Internet. But in 2020, when uh, where you know school boards are not willing to open up because the teachers are scared of a virus, <laughs> um, then y- y- you can't really. There, there is the the question is okay if if the general internet which uh, I I agree it's it's not safe for kids and there's no way to make it safe for kids and also allow freedom of speech right and at this point you've got the big social media companies who are accomplishing neither goal because Facebook sure as hell isn't safe and it's not a good place for free speech but uh, they're they're at least virtue signaling hard in that way but where do the kids go if they if they can't go to the public internet, there, there isn't a, a kid's internet. Hey, there should be, there's a, there's an exit strategy that maybe, I mean, that's, that might be what Facebook could become except, well, actually no, because all the, the young people, even people under 25 don't go to Facebook anymore. It's really the, the middle-aged people now who are there mostly. Yes. And then that's where your uh, pedos will show up and be like, Oh no, I'm a 12 year old boy because you don't have any, ID when you're that age. I mean, you, it's funny. You only get ID in the United States when you get a driver's license. So you're like 16 and up is when you start getting photo ID. Before then, eh, yeah. no, nothing. Nobody can track anything. But I I'm, get. I'm generally okay with not having ID. Yeah, I am. But it does lead to issues. These, if I'm not driving, I don't take my ID with me. Well, that's when you get pulled over and you have to put your hands on something. And then they're like, show me your ID. And you'll be like, I'm just I'm I'm me. Well, if I'm not driving, I'm a passenger and the police are not actually legally allowed to require my ID. Let me ask you this. Are you one of these guys that has your because you're a mathematics, you're like a mathematic whiz. Do you have your driver's license number memorized? Of course. See, that is the difference. That is the difference. Well, okay. Uh, 
in Washington state. Of course. Uh, like everybody. And, Wait a minute. Before you move on, anybody else in the troll room have their driver's license number memorized? You say, of course, like everybody does this. Nobody does well, this. Okay. So in Washington state, the, and, and I, this might be changing because I, 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 well, for one thing, uh, Washington has been moving to real ID for four years now, but my license does not expire for three more years. It's a, a six or seven year long thing. And I am not going out and getting a real ID until I am absolutely required, which means that my license has to expire. So I've got a couple more years before I really experience this. Um, so Washington might be moving to a new set of inscrutable numbers that don't make any sense. Wait, but- wait. Let me just let me just ask a question there too. Does that mean when you renew your license, you have to get a real ID? Oh yeah, not here. I just got oh, my that, renewal and oh, I didn't take the real happening. ID. Well, okay, in Washington State, as of two years ago, every renewal is required to be a real ID. the 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 federal version of the ID that you know we we've never had federal ID cards in the United States, but real ID is kind of a a backdoor way of getting it by forcing your driver's licenses. And I think all states have to have a plan to move everybody to real ID by 2024 or something like that. But I don't know how every state is doing. But anyways, in as long as I can remember before the real ID bullshit started, and I don't approve of the real ID for other reasons that I'm not going to go into, but that's probably an interesting story. Um, Washington driver's license numbers, quote, are actually seven letters and two digits. Um, and those seven letters are the first five letters of your last name, followed by your uh, first initial and then your middle initial and then two arbitrary numbers, which are based on the where you got your license the first time and maybe the year or something like that. But um, those are the only two that the, the, the very end, the numbers at the end are the only parts that you have to memorize for that. Otherwise, all I have to know is my name. So my. My driver's license number starts with B-E-M-R-O, for example. That's weird. That's that's kind of a would be, I would think, a privacy and security problem, too. Oh, probably. Mine's just a random number. Fletcher says he knows his, too, but I don't know what, what Texas those numbers are. But I remember that a buddy of mine you know, had this memorized in like college or something and didn't have his license and got pulled over. And he gave the cop the number and he pulled it up. and He's like, oh, OK, didn't care that he he's like, you since you know that. uh you'll get a pass on this, but that's kind of the now, especially now I'm assuming that all these little devices they have, you put your driver's license number in a photo of you is immediately coming up. So I guess there's uh, you know, there's that, but we'll, yeah. we'll have chips implanted at some point. No question uh, about I'll, it. I'll, all I have to say about real ID right now is uh, it, w- it, once your state has required that you carry a real ID for everything, get your ass a tinfoil wallet. Because yes, the RFID blockers, RFID, every RFID sensor, you walk through a mall and you walk by 75 RFID sensors. By the time you've walked into your first shop, um, everybody is going to be scanning that shit. You think you think that the Wi-Fi broadcast on your phone is dangerous. Wait until your pocket is giving your driver's license number to every single scanner you walk past. Yeah, I'm sure there are plenty of websites telling you how to break the RFID code in your license, passport, whatever do you mean it is. Break as in decoded or do you mean break as in render it non-functional? The latter of the two. Yeah, because, yeah, that is a you definitely at least get yourself an RFID blocking wallet and be careful because, yeah, just welcome to the ultimate 
in tracking enjoyment. But when it comes to these social media sites, I mean, I get if sites want to try to keep the language clean. It's easy to put filters on that kind of stuff. You know, if somebody says, you know, fuck, ooh, <laughs> is it is it really easy? Well, so, so I saw an image uh, come across no agenda social a couple days ago. Uh, somebody whose name was Fuchsia, F-U-C-H-I-A. <laughs> And uh, they had posted their name on, I want to say it was Steam, and Steam blanked out with asterisks the first three letters. So it was star, 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 H-I-A. Oh, yes. Yeah, I guess that's really bad then when it comes to the (laughs) figuring out what people are saying. And you're right, because the minute you say you can't spell F-U-C-K, it's going to be like F and then like a V-C-K. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, when when people started back when i was in college and and the the search term that you had to search for if you got to get what you wanted was p r o n because because the other terms were blocked yeah that makes sense and but you can at least generalize it which is you could have a rule say on twitter that well you can't call any of our users names and that's easy enough to enforce i mean people are going to be involved but you'd have to then you know flag it somebody would have to look at it with that said that you could at least go back to when somebody breaks your law just like a law in the united states or anywhere else you point back and go here's the law you broke the problem we're having is it's very selective prosecution stephen crowder talked about this last night as well he did a live Facebook or not yet. Yeah, actually did live Facebook and YouTube on Monday night when Trump's town hall was on and they listened to it, you know, made fun of him, made fun of the questions, whatever they do, had no problem. They did the same thing last night with the Biden thing, the town hall, and within like five minutes, they were taken off of YouTube. So you did the same show. It was just commenting on two different politicians, and it was okay to do it for Trump. But five minutes into the Biden one, they were taken down. Now, the intriguing thing was this is where kind of more issues come in because their lawyer, who they already had waiting for this kind of stuff, came in. If you're if you're a lawyer worth their salt, you know, this is going to happen. You'd be like, I've already drawn up the documents to sue your ass. Yes. And that's what the whole conversation was kind of going on about. But about 20, 30 minutes into this, the lawyer came on. For, you know, via Skype, because that's how everybody does things and explain that this wasn't a content takedown, that this was somebody with a random Gmail account said they own the copyright to it. Now, this uh-huh. uh, like that was that was the exact reaction Stephen Crowder had, because he's like, you know, if only we had the biggest, baddest tech company in the world, I mean, to, to actually make sure they couldn't be fooled by something like this. And it's like, yeah, yeah, they weren't well, really fooled. Th- this is another place where the the line between private and public uh, is is being abused to the advantage of the people who really don't want to do follow things like the Constitution. Uh, if this was public, then, uh, you know, when when you are being punished for violating a law, you have to be told what law you're violating. It, the Sixth Amendment to the United States Constitution re- requires that you be able to uh, face your accuser, uh, that you be told what you're being accused of, and gives you a right to trial by jury of your peers. 
um, which that last one is is definitely being violated all over the place when people are like, well, we can't get bring jury into a jury box because they might COVID. But it, once you're private, they don't have to tell you who your accuser is. They can just say, oh, a random Gmail account. Right. They don't have to tell you who uh, they don't have to tell you what rules you broke. Uh, your this video has been taken down by after for violating the YouTube content terms of service. That's that's as much information as most people get. And what did we do wrong? Most people just have to guess why, because private organization and this is absolutely being abused by companies who have become the de facto public forum and are not actually held by the rules that we've always had around public forums in order to prevent precisely what we're seeing now, which is an authoritarian group stepping in and censoring and trying to control thoughts in the public forums. And this is why the, the, the case is completely cut and dry from where I sit, which is if you are going to try to control the thoughts that are expressed on your platform, you are a publisher and you should not have section 230 safe harbor prevention and all of the defense against everybody suing your ass for wrongful censorship needs to just be gone and you open yourself up to all this litigation that by the way is is what section 230 is is preventing is protecting people from is being sued by people that you have wronged with your idiotic policies makes sense and with this we know when you have something live streaming like crowder did it's amazing that facebook or this was in this case youtube they were so quick to be able to pull that video because somebody complained, really? But we talked about this in the last episode, right? Where the guy was on, said he was going to commit suicide. And there was nobody there to be found to pull the video down. But this is this is when Joe Biden's on. So this is different. Oh, yeah. It, everywhere that there is uh, a vagary in the system, like how long it takes to respond or any kind of, well, anything that is not made public. And uh, uh, man, these companies hide behind their trade secrets anywhere that they can get away with exploiting ambiguities that is a place where even if they are not intentionally going out of their way to impose their ideology on the world which i honestly believe there's a lot of that happening but even in the cases where they're not they are opening themselves up to accusations thereof and more importantly they're they're going to be opening themselves up to lawsuits which i think is the way that you take down these things it because my 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 recommendation of everybody just get off Facebook doesn't seem to be working because y'all are fucking addicted and don't seem to understand rational advice when you hear it. But no, their their friends are on Facebook. How would they know what Susie made for dinner? Well, what you need to do is go full Bemrose on a few people and lose all your friends and then you <laughs> won't have any reason to be there. Oh, is oh, that explains it. I guess. Yeah, it's easy. <laughs> just weed weed out those folks and uh and honestly if if they're a friend that you only interact with on facebook uh here's a hint that's not a real friend yeah yeah they may not even be real people i mean if you have nothing in common with them except for a couple of facebook timelines they're not yeah i mean yeah they're not really real people then are they yeah they could be trolls working in india which i mean to to be fair when it comes down to this uh, where where do I sign up? I could use the paycheck. Yeah, you you would be good at it too. I mean, if it was paid trolling, 
I think you would be you'd be like the king troll. But when it comes, I have had years to own my practice. When it comes to the TikTok and WeChat being kicked out of the app stores, when it comes down to governments pulling these things, this is not unique to the United States. I think it is important to point that out. We've had stories in the past, especially with India, who looked at these same exact programs when it comes down to TikTok, WeChat, Facebook. There were a bunch that they had pulled because they thought they were national security risks. And I know that seems idiotic. And that's how it's going to be played out in the mainstream media. Oh, it's just something fun our kids use to do little dance moves. And people have no idea what these apps can access, what kind of permissions they're given, and what kind of tracking ability they have. They're they're both right. To the vast majority of users, that's exactly what it is. It's it's some little app that our kids use to send stupid videos, and that's as far as it goes for the vast majority of users. But it can be used for other things, which means that if you're the kind of person who bans something because it can be used for wrong, like, say, the Trump administration, then you're going to ban that because it can be used. And, and, and also, corollary, if something can be used for nefarious purposes, and it gets big enough, then someone somewhere is using it for nefarious purposes. It's not like this is a pure hypothetical hypothetical situation. Somebody out there is performing espionage by uh, uh, using WeChat or TikTok or something. You know that's happening. Yes. Well, the communications we know that's already been proven. There were things that then uh, TikTok came out with. Oh no, wait, we'll change this, and they'll only go to the American servers. But there was information. There was some kind of data going back to the mothership in China. And the question is, what is that? Nobody really knows for sure. So let's just saying there were messages. Let's go back into like World War II for a minute when the encoded messages were being sent via air. And then you had to know the code to, you know, to decrypt this. And that was a big part of winning that war was figuring out the codes. Well, now. Let's just say you were trying to send data. Say you were working for the Chinese government or the Iranian government or whoever, and you are in the United States and you're gathering intel and you want to send it back home. What better thing to attach your kite to, if you will, than TikTok and be able to hack into somebody's phone and to send this information, which just looks like it's a video from TikTok going back to China. Big deal. It's just some kid dancing. But there's a little added payload to it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's possible. It, yeah, it, it is. Uh, I mean, uh, I was just looking up uh, 29th of June. Uh, we did here on Grumpy Old Ben's. We did show number 72 uh, with Billy Bones as our guest. And uh, that was the one where my deep dive in that one before any of the the TikTok declared a national you know threat or anything like that. Uh, that was the deep dive that where we discussed that all of the ways that this app is harvesting your data and sending it back to China or wherever. And uh, it go if you want to know what TikTok is doing to you, that episode, um, there there was some frightening things in there. Oh, I agree. And it depends on whose phone and who's using these apps. But let's just say that somebody 
that has some kind of control in the United States government. And this could be a cop. This could be a judge. This could be a Congress critter. This could be a mayor. This could be anybody. They have TikTok on their phone and all that location data everywhere they go goes back to China. Somebody is combing through this. Well, the nice folks at TikTok might be able to put together that they were having an affair with somebody. They might be able to get pull up some dirt on them because, you know, if, if both people are using TikTok, then you can put them together as well. And there's information that can be gathered by these things that nobody would ever consider until it's a little bit too late that will be used against them. And then they're compromised. So having all of but, this data going out of the country, even though people are like, I don't have anything to hide. Yeah, a lot of people do. But you, you said nobody would consider, but we considered it back on show 72. True. I mean, we're different. We're paranoid. Yes, yes, we are. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot to be said for being paranoid in 2020. But is it really paranoia when all of our conspiracy theories are, are coming true? We, we need to get some new conspiracy theories, to be honest, because all the old ones are now just turning into facts, They're just turning into theory. Yeah, they're going from conspiracy theory to theory to fact. To, oh, yeah. I mean, everybody knows that. Yeah. So what you're telling me is you don't have the Vote Joe app on your phone. I do not have the Vote Joe app. And I, well, I'm i not going to put it on my phone, but now I want to open it in the Android SDK to, to see what it's doing. According. <laughs> yes. According to bleepingcomputer.com, the app being used by Biden's 2020 presidential campaign to better engage with voters was found to be leaking potentially sensitive information about voters, such as their political affiliations, which I think if you have the vote, if Joe, app, installed the Biden app on your phone, I think we can guess your political affiliation. Kind of, unless you're somebody like us who's just looking at, you know, trying to figure out what these things do and your past voting choices. The iOS app didn't enforce email verification, which would let anybody, including non-U.S. citizens, Download the app and have access to this data, which I'm not really sure what data you can get just from going onto the app from other people. It says it leverages what it's called relational organizing. And that's a word that seems pretty much like we're going to spam your friends because uh, that that sounds like we we applied machine learning to it or we we fed it into an A.I. Yeah. Volunteers who download the app can promote the campaign by sending pre type promotional text messages to others. And provide oh, yay, <laughs> it facilitates spam. And you can provide information about your contacts to the app creator. So if you have an asshole friend who downloaded the Joe 2020 app and then said, hey, go fucking spam everybody on my contact list. They're not your friends either. Get so, rid of them because if you're getting <laughs> you're getting crap from the vote Joe people like, oh, we, uh, we were told that you might be interested in. Yeah, somebody did this. So all, uh, all of our experts out there who happen to have this Biden app on your phone, go ahead and, and send spam to Darren at grumpyoldbenz.com. Yeah, that's OK. He I got it. spam filtering. Hey, that's the only thing I'll have to do is add the three dollars uh, spam filtering at the host end. And uh, that's just coming out of your end. I it, it, Nothing comes out of my end that I don't want to. I was going to say you should see a proctologist. You know then. It, yeah, not. <laughs> let's just move on you know this whole thing talks about querying the public voting records and all this uploading they also this was an interesting hack to uh, this also what what states have a public voting record is it, i think I, we've mentioned this before i i'm not aware that, that like your party affiliation is a matter of public record in a lot of states and i guarantee i would never be anything but independent in one of those but you're it is it even legal to p- 
publish online or even record what you voted? It's probably different in every state. Well, I mean, we've discussed in the only state I really know about is Washington, but we we've talked about in Washington. They theoretically, according to the way it's supposed to work, they don't even have any way to tie a vote to a person. Allegedly. Allegedly. Well, yeah. I mean, well, once that envelope goes into the mail, who knows? But but that's the way it's supposed to work is is I I just I mean, are there states that not only tie who you voted to for? to your voter id and but also publish that information that sounds awful that sounds like i mean that's some chicago level shit where the the mob boss is gonna be like you you'd better vote for who we want or we'll break your legs and you know they send that say that to a whole neighborhood and somehow you end up with precincts like philadelphia that are 100 percent democrat it's amazing you can get 100 percent, isn't it yeah it is the, so uh, they're, they're not a single republican anywhere in those districts when it comes to these political apps, including the Vote Joe 2020 app, Bleeping Computer says the app harvests valuable information from the user's contacts as part of its terms of service. Of course, always read the terms of service, even though they're going to be way too long and dry for you to read. You probably should read them. Well, there there aren't many people who for whom if if like if something horrible is in the terms of service, uh, let, let's be honest here. How many people out there, how many of our experts even would look at the terms of service and even if you read it would be like oh these people say that they reserve the right to steal my firstborn child in the middle of the night yeah but they probably won't let's sign up anyway how many people would actually let something onerous in the terms of service prevent them from installing an app almost none i'm hearing yeah hearing a lot of silence there i i, I have actually had programs where uh, the terms of service was like, you know, we reserve the right to collect all of your data and sell it to third parties or something. And I'm like, yeah, going to find another program for this. But that seems like a tremendously rare occurrence. Yeah, because it's just gotten to the point and it started long before people had mobile devices. The terms of service is something we've seen as long as we've had computers and they've always been really long documents. That nobody ever really reads. They all just go, oh, it's you. Okay, click, 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 done. Do you know that the Instagram terms of service is actually longer than the Bible? <laughs> that really? Yeah, somebody calculated it. It, 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 it takes pictures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and not always the ones that you want. But yes, it does do that. It does a lot of other things too. <laughs> that is that is the issue. Yeah. And I know there is updates coming. There are updates coming for both Android and for the Apple mobile iOS. And both seem to be focused on security and privacy. A lot of the additions. And I don't know how I feel about this because it, one, it's nice. I mean, for instance, the Apple one, I believe I read there's now going to be a little thing, you know, kind of like with webcam. So if it's if your camera is activated, you know, a little light will come on. Of course, there was something that Apple then said uh, that one yeah, of the yeah, and what, do you honestly trust that it's still controlled by software? That's it. That is exactly yeah. it, because there Give was one of those hardware switch, you know, one of these things in testing or something. And then there was like Instagram, one of those that was being accused of using the camera when somebody wasn't actually using the camera and of course then it was well no that was just a that was just a bug in the way it reports it and uh, we weren't really using your camera but yeah the way i even even if 
you fully trust that Apple absolutely is making it so that, you know, nobody using the SDK can turn your camera on without also turning the lights on. And they've made sure that hardware gets hacked. People root their iPhones at some point, the ability for the software to be rewritten. You know, you can't rewrite is a hardware switch. Yeah. If, and if I can physically disconnect the wires going to the camera, I am a lot more confident. And I think a lot of people would love a phone where you could just flip a camera on and off microphone the same there, way. There, uh, there are phones out there that the privacy enabled like AOSP style phones. There are. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I remember we talked about one uh, a few months back. Yeah. And when Snowden was, was just on Rogan's show, he talked about the fact on why Apple is such a target. Cold yeah. acid is saying pine phone. Sorry. Pine phone. Sounds like a pine cone and it probably smells really good. But when it comes to that depends on whether you use it in the bathroom or not. When it comes to the software, this is where Apple is a better target for hackers. I mean, I know somebody mentioned, oh, well, it's all just rich people that they're the ones that have Apple phones. And I don't believe that's the truth anymore because I don't see a big difference between Android price and Apple phone pricing. It just depends what ecosystem you want to be a part of. But the difference between Apple and Android, as pointed out by Edward Snowden, is that Apple on all of their devices forces the same exact software. <coughs> Excuse me. So even, yeah. you know, your whole as long as you haven't jailbroken it. Correct. Which most people haven't. But that means that every version of their phone is running the same software. Which makes yeah. it a hell of a lot easier to find exploits and use them because he then compared that to Android. And it's like, well, Samsung and LG and Motorola and Google, everybody has their own version of Android. So well, it's, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily make it easy that that Apple has the same software and everything doesn't necessarily make it easier to find exploits. No, but it sure as hell motivates the people looking for exploits, because if. You know, they, they, I, I guarantee that there are fo Android phones out there that are far easier to exploit than Apple uh, yeah. because there's so many different Android phones than the law of averages. Some are above and some are below. But if there's only a thousand phones in the world that have this particular software on it, then is it really worth it? Whereas if, if you can focus all of your efforts into finding an exploit in Apple software, then, you know, there are millions of iPhones running that. Yeah. And if you can find an exploit, it'll work on all of them. That's the beauty of it. But the things that are being added to Android, this is from the Hacker News. This was their their takeaway was here's the five most important things being added to the new Android that they thought was a good thing. Number one is one time permissions, which we've talked about this when it comes to apps. When you install apps on the Android phone, you get a pop up like, oh, thank you for installing the Sir Bemrose app. Yes, it would like to use your camera. It would like to have access to your yes. contents. It would like to use yes. your microphone and GPS. And do, do you would would you like to give this app access to the contents of your refrigerator? You're <laughs> like, well, no. And then you're like, then the app won't run. Ha. Ah. Oh, well, then I guess I will. Then Or, or delete. <laughs> That's the yeah. uh, the proper answer. Well, that's what I like to do. But it's a nice thing that they're going to start doing this more where you could give one time permissions, which means every time you go back to that app, it's going to ask you, hey, can we access your camera? Can we access your microphone? Yeah. If, again, you believe the software is actually working correctly, 
that is a good thing for the operating system to have. Like, okay, you know what? I want to use Instagram because I've got a business or I got a podcast. I mean, Larry posts his album art to Instagram from that Larry show, that Larry show.com. And so there's a use to have Instagram, but having it on your phone, if you just install it like normal people would and just go, I want everything. Yes, access my camera. Then they could access your camera all the time because you've already told the Android operating system, give Instagram access to my camera. Now, this is a hell of a lot safer if it works as it says that every time you open up Instagram, it'll pop up with, do you want Instagram to use your camera? That sounds annoying as fuck. It is. But if you want your privacy, which is well, especially <laughs> since Instagram will not be written such that it asks for permission to use your camera. Well, they when won't you decide to take a picture. Well, they, they, they wouldn't anyway. But I, here's here's the thing. When does Insta, when when do you as a user, as as a normal person, even a non-technical one, um, what operation in Instagram would you expect would require it to have permission to use your camera? Um, I would think taking a photo or video. Yes. So the vast majority of users who use Instagram are not taking photos every time they launch the app. The vast majority of launches of the Instagram app, and I, I have no data to back this up, but I am assuming it proved me wrong, uh, is for people to open it up and see pictures that other people have taken. That is the primary use case of it and does not require access to your camera or your microphone. But but Instagram will not install, let alone launch, without asking for permission to use your camera. And if I were developing this and I were an asshole, so worked at Facebook, then <laughs> I'd be like, well, we want the ability to use your camera and microphone 24 seven so that we can listen for ad keywords because we make right. money off of that. And so, uh, you know, the, the rational thing to do if you are writing correctly, appropriately for one-time permissions is to pop up the, I would like permission to use your camera and microphone when you click the button in the app that says, take me, or I want to take a movie or picture. And if you are just looking at other people's pictures, you wouldn't request that permission even temporarily because you don't need it for that. But if you happen to need it for the purpose of advertising to people and listening for keywords that you can feed into your AI so that you can send targeted ads for something that they mentioned in passing, which is, by the way, still one of the creepiest things these things do. Yes. And every rumor that they don't do that is uh, is starting to get a little difficult to believe. Well, yeah, but try it. It's easy I, to do. No, not fucking trying it. <laughs> I mean, try if it. other if other people who don't believe it, if you have a phone, try it. Just start talking I, I, about the weirdest things around it. Yeah, it works. Get, get yourself on a government list with these three simple steps <laughs> yes well we can even give you a list of words to continually keep saying we, well, around we could, your phone we could, you know what how about we just record a segment on grumpy old ben's where we say nothing but those words yes and then you can play those to your alexa or your instagram <laughs> or whatever and everybody all of our experts will be on the list it'll be the greatest list ever should we blow up that and government building can, and then somebody can hack the government department where they're storing that database so that we suddenly get a full list of all of our experts that we can target and advertise toward. Have you acquired the explosives? <laughs> yeah, these are these it's, are terms that the devices love to hear. So, I mean, I get it. I dig that. I but, understand. But, I, I mean, my, my point with the the one time permission is that a an app owner who uh, 
I, I will use the term malicious, but not in that they want to install malware so much as uh, their goals are not aligned to yours. They want to advertise to you, which is not necessarily what you want. That app owner, even when faced with an API that says only request permission to use the microphone when you are recording, when you need to record something, when the user requests, they will just say every time you launch the app, I need to use the microphone or I won't launch the app. And then eventually people are going to see this dialogue pop up over and over. It's the same problem with every confirmation dialogue ever. You insensitize people toward the dialogue and eventually they are trained to say yes. And at some point, the, you know, half of them will just sit there clicking away your infernal dialogue every single time. And the other half are going to figure out how to go into the settings and say, just permanently say, yes, don't ask me again, which is the most horrifying thing. Like the only thing to make a confirmation dialogue worse, it's the worst UI ever created. Are you sure you want to do something? The only thing that can make a confirmation dialogue worse is this little checkbox at the bottom that says, don't ask me again. It's it now, you know, you've taken an annoying situation and turned it into a dangerous one instead of designing your app correctly. And this isn't a rant about confirmation dialogues, but there are ways to design your app. And if you think asking, are you sure before doing something destructive is the right way to do it? You're wrong. Are you sure? No. Now, the the beauty is, yeah, people get trained. It's just like the EULA. They don't read it. They just say yes. And they move along with their life. And that's where their privacy goes down the tubes. I don't know. How many people do you think understand that there are a lot of apps that just keep running in the background? Like you said, you install Instagram. You think it's only going to really pop up when you want to go take your picture and post it to Instagram. But there's always a process running in the background. And since you gave it access to your microphone, it's waiting for those keywords for you to say Chevy Corvette. And then they're going to start, you know, giving you ads for Chevy. I, I I installed or uninstalled the Discord app for that. I'm like, this is an app that has permission to use my microphone. And every single time somebody sends me uh, something on Discord on the desktop, now it's popping up on my phone. Nope, that's getting uninstalled. That is annoying. Running in the background, just waiting to take your privacy away. Yeah, like I closed you. Yeah, no. Why, why are you popping up notifications? Well, because we thought you wanted them. Don't you want notifications? That's yeah. You have to turn those all off. You know, except no. except for ones you I, vitally need, which I, are I, none. I I don't want notifications. In fact. The, the notifications that are that even the OS won't let you turn off are, uh, uh, yeah, here, here's the list of the notifications you're not allowed to turn off in any modern one. Uh, one is the uh, presidential alert system, which, by the way, I think I've received one presidential alert from Trump and Obama was doing the monthly. Well, he wanted to get reach out to you. He was the yeah, he was yeah, the transparent for political president. messages. Yeah. No, it's like, no. Well, I mean, there, there was the one that was like, go out and vote. You're fucking like, send to everybody's phone ever no you are ruining this system you fuckhead you're like i live in washington i can't go out and vote i have to vote at home well i yeah i live in washington my vote doesn't do anything it doesn't count um, it, it, yeah i can put i can put anything on that i can shit on the ballot and put it in the envelope and the democrat will still win which admittedly would probably <laughs> be interpreted as my vote being counted but that's not what i meant I see. So, I, I'm just I'm we're thinking of the guy that defecated on Nancy Pelosi's driveway and thinking you're just yeah, see, one, he was voting Democrat one small step away <laughs> from being that guy. But uh, the nice thing when it comes to the next Android update is that for programs you haven't used in a while, and I'm hoping they can give you a setting there that just like how many days 
So if you haven't launched an app for X amount of days, it removes all of the permissions, which is actually a good idea. Yeah, I like it because I have stuff that I downloaded that I used like once. Like I said, the app is going to pop up a notification saying your permissions got shut off. You need to click here to turn them back on. You know that apps will get annoying as fuck until they can convince the user to be on their side and just be like, fine, blanket permissions, whatever. Please, please give me access. Why do you want to be mean? I just want to take all of your data. I get it. They're also now this. This was number three on their list. And I thought this was maybe the most important one out of all. Because it is getting quick security patches by the Play Store. It says, though Google now requires smartphone manufacturers to roll out their security updates to users, it's still not helping end users patch critical vulnerabilities before hackers exploit them. So it seems like they're going to be able to do some of these patches directly through the App Store. I mean, I don't care if that it's through the App Store, but it's interesting that. Google, who writes the main code here, the main operating system for Android, if there is a vulnerability that they're going to allow a pathway for people to upgrade those and to get the latest patches without waiting for their cell phone company, which is good because, I mean, I had a ZTE phone when Donald Trump said ZTE is bad. No more updates. And I'm like, hey, you're kind of fucking me, dude, because I'm not going to get any more security updates. So then I had to jailbreak it and all this. In that case, again, this would have been really nice because, you know, ZTE is never coming with the updates if for the critical security issues. I mean, you're never getting new features, but if Google can actually patch the critical vulnerabilities without waiting for Samsung and LG and Motorola to do it, that's a plus. Um, Yeah, maybe kinda. you're against you know this. I feel about you know how I feel about updates. The, the greatest <laughs> hubris ever expressed by an OS vendor is the bald-faced assumption that you would be the only people who can possibly you know you've you've created a system where the software can be changed on the fly and somehow assumed that you are the only person who will ever be able to take advantage of this system the the idea that you have created a channel to put new code onto the machine yes. and that will never be used for malware no never that new code will never appear on the machine through some other channel the, 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 the most secure system the, the most secure system that can't be hacked is the one that can't be updated i suppose yeah, yeah. but you, i mean it, it, now the that system has whatever vulnerabilities were baked in and software developers are are very proud people who cannot stand the idea of any one of you know the, the moment that somebody finds one of their bugs then it eats them up inside and destroys their little <laughs> brain from the front to the back knowing that there's a bug in their code somewhere that somebody might be running that version of the code which is why it's so critically important that that update be pushed out immediately to everybody's device whether they need a reboot or not and <laughs> that's what goes on inside a software developer's head and that's why it is so critically important that you must make sure to push out all new bugs every month in, in, and get rid of all the old bugs. Well, you need to get rid of the old bugs because that you need. It's like an extermination. You need to you need to get the thing cleaned out. But I get it. I mean, I understand both sides of that. One, the fact is, if there are vulnerabilities, you do want to patch them. But yes, if you're adding a channel to fix those vulnerabilities. 
like somebody pointed out, Windows just changed something which allowed people to download files using one of their you know command line commands, and all of a sudden people were able to figure it out they could use that to download Windows allows malware. people to download files. This must be stopped. Yes. Well, you know, this there was you know this went right around their Windows Defender, even though it was part of Windows Defender, the command line part of that you could download malware, which I thought was hilarious. But you know it's Microsoft; it happens. Uh, the other updates coming in Android are in little bit of a boost to their sandboxing concept which is good is that really a lot of people don't even think about this too so if you have like say instagram installed and then you install sir bemrose's vpn you don't want sir bemrose's vpn to go and be able to grab your stuff from instagram and like your photos and and send them back to the bemrose cloud i might no yeah you might i mean if, if i'm the one who gets to profit off of that data i've just stolen then i might yeah blackmail is a hell of a thing man Hashtag blackmail matters. And the last is restricting unnecessary background location access. So maybe people are finally getting wise that, you know, Facebook, after you've logged out and it's not up on your screen, that there's no reason to keep giving them your location. I mean, I don't think there's ever a reason to give it your location ever, but well, some I, I, do. I don't think there's any reason to have Facebook. But yes, if if you're going to be, you know, sitting there frantically tapping your arm waiting for the app to launch then you might as well practice some kind of data security yeah know what's running in the background get an idea of the data it's collecting delete anything you're not using hell wipe your whole phone and try to get away with no extra apps i know that's hard yeah just you know shut your phone off leave it in a drawer go outside because you know breathe breathe the fresh smoky air there is no doubt there are things that these companies are able to pull from these applications that they can't otherwise. I notice this all the time on the iPad, and it's the only thing I'm using right now in the Apple ecosystem is the iPad because no Android tablet at the 12.7 inch, whatever it is. There was none. If there is now, I mean, I'd be happy to switch over, but I like the iPad. It's quick. It's easy. It's nice. But I noticed. If I'm in a web browser and I click on a link and try to like follow a link to Twitter, it forces the Twitter app to open. And it's like, why? It works just fine in a browser. Uh, you could be the, the, the code for that is on Twitter.com. That's that's JavaScript being pushed by Twitter. Yeah, right. Because they want you to have the app so they can collect more data. Because if you just go to Twitter via the web browser on your phone or on your tablet it doesn't get all yeah, the good information they can't the app nearly can. as much information through in their, their browser in the way uh-huh so uh there's that try to get away with just using the browser and they're like hey and would you like to install the twitter app and you just say no i wouldn't and sometimes they'll let you access the information on the mobile or the device or maybe they won't or you need to find a way around it but there's something yeah, to be it, said which like it, the, the way around it is i use that shit on my desk well actually the way around it is don't click on Twitter links, but use that stuff on your desktop. Well, this is what we've been talking there. about with Adam Curry's new podcast index.org, which is a podcast listing that won't let people get deplatformed. That's the bottom line of the elevator in pitch theory. in theory. Correct. Which is we're seeing people like Alex Jones, Apple's apps, you know, they're uh, listing for podcasts goes, well, no, he's a little dangerous. We don't want to list him anymore. So we're not going to we're just going to delete them. And honestly, the the day I'm waiting for 
is the point at which, uh, you know, by allowing people like Alex Jones, that that there becomes a big corporate push to delist and and cancel the podcast index. There you will be. That's going to happen. You know, and that was my question. And Adam covered that on their second episode of the podcast index podcast, which was okay. So, how do you do this if you have a podcast app? And we've seen podcast apps get pulled from the app store for various reasons. So, it's not a stretch to go, you know, if podcast addict goes, you know what? We're going to use podcastindex.org as our main listing where we're going to grab all of our information from uh, for the podcast. It doesn't take a big jump to go. Well, then Apple could just say, you know, podcast index. No, no, thank you. We won't allow this for Google Play Store. Same thing. No, we won't allow this. It was a Karma King who's always in the no agenda troll room. If you're not in the troll room, we do these shows live at noon, Monday and Friday. No agenda stream dot com. You're missing out. But he pointed out he took a look at the I think it was the Tusky app. There was one of them, one of these Mastodon apps that blocked Gab because, you know, Gab is bad. And that's one of these things that, you know, Google doesn't like. Well, if you can access Gab, well, then you can access hate speech. So we can't have that. He went in and did a search in the code for Gab.com and it only showed up like in one file. And if you just deleted Gab.com from the text file and recompiled it, and work fine on the Android phone then to access Gab. But this is the length they're going to to keep devices, which normally these Mastodon apps could access any server that uses Mastodon. And there are hundreds or thousands, you know, tens of thousands, I would guess by now that use Mastodon or Pleroma, and they all work in the same kind of way. They're the open source Twitter, if you will. But these companies that are building apps to take advantage of that. Well, they can be deplatformed. Those apps can be removed because, oh, you're going to this dangerous place. So that's the question. How do you go and make sure that the podcast apps that are using podcastindex.org aren't deplatformed? And the bottom line is you can't, but well, you, you can. You avoid the gatekeepers. But you, how do you do you that? How do you getting, do that on a, a mobile you, device? You go, you, you go to F-Droid. You stop using Google Play. But uh, that's not I, an answer for I, the I, average person. It, it It is. F-Droid is something that you can install from the Play Store, and then it can be the last thing you ever install from the Play Store. And not every app, but almost everything that you want to do with your phone, other than hooking up to certain proprietary networks like Instagram, um, you know, I, I can get an email program from F-Droid. I can get a, a, a YouTube app uh, from F-Droid, uh, like New Pipe or something. Um, I can get uh, um, an open street map mapping program from F-Droid. I don't need the Play Store, and I've got everything I need to do in my phone that I can get from there. But the Apple devices don't have that solution. Well, (laughs) yes, there's a reason I don't have an Apple device either, but um, they do have that solution if you jailbreak them. But again, uh, and, and there are, you know, if you need to... If you absolutely have to stay in the Apple ecosystem, then uh, there there are instructions on how to jailbreak that are the kind of thing that you can follow. You just need to know which end of a USB cord to plug into the phone and which end to plug into your left ear. But the the instructions are pretty detailed. And if you really don't want to, um, then you might be stuck with the gatekeeper. And then all this advice is gone. If if you I, 
I mean, Apple, the, one of the trade-offs with Apple technology is you are trusting Apple. And when Apple decides to go SJW and start censoring things, then this is a result. You, know, you Having to deal with that is a result of your choice to go out and buy the less open platform. Yes. Well, and if anybody can do this themselves, I'm surprised this isn't on the roadmap yet for podcastindex.org, which is to bake in an HTML5 podcast app to the website. I mean, granted, you'd have to sign up for an account because that's the only way you're going to be able to save what you're subscribed to and all of that. But it would just be a web page, which you could open on any device. And unless your I, you know, your ISP starts blocking podcastindex.org, which is always a possibility, which, but that's way further happen. down the line. Yeah, it's it's a much more rare thing to happen. And then we could talk about VPNs and all this other stuff again. But that would be one way to bypass everything, which is you don't need the podcast app anymore. If somebody could do this just baked into HTML5, that's one hell of an answer. Yeah, Colasset is saying podcastbrowser.org already does this or is working on it. It's that's, being worked on. And now I want and I think the biggest need for that is due to the fact that these podcast apps, I mean, the podcast apps up to this point, everybody, I think, was pretty happy with because they do the job. They do it well. And there's some really good developers that have come out with podcast apps that are for free speech. But now you're seeing that they can get taken down. So I think we're going to see a move to the HTML5 for people that you know, might want to listen totally to Alex Jones. To that. I, and look for Darren O'Neill's review of podcastbrowser.org on the next Grumpy Old Benz. Grumpy Old Benz or Random Thoughts? Which one's your or favorite? Random thought. Well, it, that depends on whether you want to be able to do the review while being interrupted or not, I suppose. Right. I, I should just take my Random Thoughts content and then just play them here and let you talk over them, and it would be the same thing. Uh, yeah, but then you wouldn't have any Random Thoughts content. Is that really what you want? No, no. People like the... Well, they don't like the solo. That's what we've learned. And we learned we can spin things. I understand. We asked the question. It was very simple. What kind of podcast is your favorite? How many hosts? And I put one, two, three, or four or more. And 97% voted two. Nobody wants anything but two podcasters. Which, which could be used as an argument never to have another guest. But, yeah. you know, we're not going to listen to that. No. And I think it's okay to have guests that come in. And do a three-person show, though we do know you start talking over people more. I mean, we talk over each other as it is with only two. But once you get three people and somebody's trying to get a word in, it makes it a little bit harder. But there's no reason not to have a third person come in from time to time. I I think Grumpy Old Men's is also a special case because you and I, we just have this thing going where either one of us will continue talking for the full two hours unless we get interrupted. And that's how we hand off the conversation we've had guest hosts on who never got a word in edgewise because they're too damn polite. And that doesn't fly on this show. Carolyn they're like waiting. They wait for an opportunity to talk and then just never get anything in. Yeah. Two hours in. Hey, thanks for being with us. We'll, we'll be back. Uh, but yeah, there you, you have to be a little bit more aggressive, but it's hard to do an interview. I know the guys at Grimerica seem to do it fairly well, but it's hard to do an interview with two interviewers. I mean, I think it's uh, it's still something best one on one. But if you know, it takes a little bit of practice, maybe. And it takes I don't think we've ever done an interview on this show. No, we have not. Not as of yet. I mean, we could, I think. But again, one on one for us, I, I think because I thought about this a little bit, even like, OK, should we really try to get and I'd love to talk to people like John McAfee or people like John Dvorak or Adam Curry 
but it would be and for it to not turn into a big mess i think it would have to be i ask a question then you ask a question and we have to be very careful to we, we would have to prepare and you know we don't do that exactly so it would take yeah. some work the other question i asked was how long do you like your podcast and that's you know and i got a few people that responded rightfully so it depends on the content i think sir sammy said you know there are 10 minute shows that are too long and there are three hour shows that are too short so it, it really is all content i was just kind of yeah, curious from an and, aspect and here's 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 a hint to the podcast hosts out there uh which is that as soon as you run out of content that's when your podcast should stop don't go another half hour afterward yes yeah don't 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 be going to just fit a timeline i mean cut it short at times to fit a timeline but don't keep talking to to fit a timeline you know my question was mainly for cuz i'm always looking for something new to listen to and i will say that a new podcast that is regularly two or three hours long is much less likely for me to give it a try because I don't think I have that kind of time to add, especially if there is a regular release on that. As if it's a half hour to an hour show, I'm much more likely to give it a try and be like, well, okay, this is short and I can I can get it in. But the, the I, I know we have a biased audience because it was on No Agenda Social. So a vast majority of the people that are on No Agenda Social actually listen to No Agenda. And the answer was 55%, I think, liked the one to two hours or more was the favorite amount of time. So they like the long form podcast. And I get it. We've been totally uh, conditioned by no agenda to believe that a good podcast is going to go three hours. No problem. Once you are invested in the content of a podcast, you want more of it. And so it makes sense that you want long form. but you. You absolutely nailed it that the big disadvantage to a longer form podcast is the the longer you go, the harder it is to get new people to give you a try. Yes, because they just look at that time and go, oh, um, no. But uh, I mean, hey, if you can get it, I mean, we appreciate everybody that will listen to Grumpy Old Benson. We do a fairly good job, at least with the people who have the Apple devices that Sir Bemrose hates. I don't know why he hates you guys. I love you guys on the Apple and girls on the Apple devices because uh, that's the one place that we can get stats and people do listen to up approximately. What did I tell you? Like 80 or a little over 80% of the episodes people with Apple devices aren't special, by the way. I hate everybody. That's true. You do, but you seem to have a special uh, place just for those Apple folks. The uh, random thoughts. People listen to more of the episode but it's also a shorter episode. So it's really hard to figure out some of this data. So I'm going to, I'm going to quickly, because I don't want to go another 45 minutes after this. Um, have you ever heard of the, uh, uh, a system called Pacer? I have not. I mean, I know uh, it was a car from GMC back well, in the day. Yeah, there was no, there is a, no, it's a federal access to record system. Um, and in particular, it gives you access to, court documents in 1998 congress passed uh, a law that said that the u.s justice system or you know, whoever the court system uh is was required to put all court records online uh before 1998 if you wanted to read the text of a court case somewhere in the u.s justice system then you had to uh go to the local courthouse and check into the library and come back out and 
And if it was, you know, for most cases, you could make physical copies of the documents and walk out with a sheaf of papers. And that's how you, that, you know, this is why, you know, lawyers get paid the big bucks and then they pay the little bucks to their paralegals who do all the work. Um, in 1998, uh, Pacer was created to put all of these documents online. It was very, uh, very progressive. They really wanted to, you know, get with the times. So, um, if you ever go to the Pacer website, uh, let me see pacer.uscourts.gov, then you can look at this and go, yep, this website hasn't been updated since 1998. Uh, but the problem with it was one of the things in the congressional law was um, it was required to be self-funded. And so they said, uh, you, you know, in order to use this site, you, you need to come up with some way that you don't require government money because Congress back in, in 98 was uh, it was a Republican Congress and, and uh, Bill Clinton was the, the lame duck. And so the Republicans did not want any new spending whatsoever of any kind ever so um they didn't want to do spending to put government records online which honestly i think if you're going to be spending it 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 ranks above most of the things you spend money on but anyways so pacer was created uh with the idea that people requesting public records because the the results of court cases are all public documents it, it is required by law that Anybody in the public have access to it, but you have to pay. So there is a paywall. So in order to get any document from a court case or whatever, um, you have to, first of all, you have to have a Pacer account, which um, it was 2009 that or before 2009 uh, in order to get a Pacer account, like you just want to go download a site. You had to sign up for an account and then seven to 10 days later, they would snail mail you your access code and they claim that emailing you the access code is a security risk and we won't do that. So, uh, seven to 10 days. And, um, apparently in 2009, they made it so that you can give them a credit card during registration and then you can get access to it immediately. Um, but the other thing is the cost, uh, which by the way, has gone up despite Every uh, the cost of running every other website since ninety eight has gone down, but the cost of this for court documents is ten cents per page. Uh, <laughs> it is two dollars and forty cents per audio. Oh, by the way, the ten cents per page is uh, at least it's capped at three dollars per document. Okay, so that's the twelve hundred. I was going to say document. there are some really big documents that. But, uh, but so when you request a document, uh, you pay ten cents per page, up to three dollars a document. It's two dollars and forty cents per audio file. Uh, and uh, here's the one that really got me. It is if you do a search of their system, which you if you want to find it, you have to do a search. It is ten cents per page of search results. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So, why don't we have that as an exit strategy? <laughs> so um, the the uh, it was it was required to be self sufficient, uh, self funded. Um, but the Pacer system made a profit of over $150 million in 2016. Wow. It's a government entity that made money. It made a lot of money. Um, and, uh, you know, there's, there's also some recommendations uh, on the, on the site. I went to the site and I poked around their, their login page and whatnot. Um, one of the recommendations on the site I loved is, uh, that if you are cost conscious, they recommend searching by case number rather than 
than case person in order to limit results by not getting other cases the person was involved in. Because if your search rig, you know, if you search for a common term, like a judge who has lots and lots of cases, right, uh, then you're going to get 30 pages worth of documents and there's $3 for just running the search. Now, uh, if, if you use less than $30 a quarter, they will waive the overall fee, whatever your account is tied to your account. Um, anyways, so this entire system has been, uh, it, it is better than forcing paralegals to go to a library, but it's still far from the idea that they had at the time, which was the idea that anybody who's not a lawyer should be able to just go read case documents because you still have to know what the case is that you're that you're searching for, whether by name or by person, you have to pay money. You have to have an account. Um, it, it's still kind of limiting the body of case law, which is all public records to only lawyers. Well, I'm assuming uh, they're doing that. So their system doesn't get overloaded by people just scraping the data. Web scraping is a problem for a lot of people. It, uh, but, well, okay. But honestly, um, these are public records. Yeah. Well, there is a bill that uh, now this is the third time that it's been introduced in Congress, and I'm not convinced it has much chance of going through now, but it's sponsored by Representative Doug Collins of Georgia and Hank Johnson of Georgia. Now, Doug Collins is a Republican and Hank Johnson is a Democrat. So um, not particularly partisan, but these people happen to both be from the same state, whatever Um, they are trying to re overhaul pacer to um allow they are they, first of all they want to remove the paywall um they want to uh you know they they say well you know it, the the actual cost of running pacer is on the order of uh 10 million a year now personally i think that yeah on 10 million a year you can build a pretty goddamn robust database that can protect against scrapers but whatever um that they want you to be able to deep link to specific documents from the web because right now uh right now if if a, somebody writes an article about a particular case you still can't link directly to the judge's opinion on the case unless that local district court had released the document so or or, or somebody goes into pacer and pulls the document out and republishes it somewhere um but you can't you, you first of all you can't deep link at all uh, you have to know the case number, do a search, pay for your search, and then get the document out of that. And then secondly, um, you have to have an account or the the link is entirely useless anyway. Um, so they want to be able to deep link documents. They want all documents to be available in full text format. The vast majority of these are PDF. I don't know if I've ranted about PDF before. Not a huge fan of it. Text is great. Text is the universal format. Um, and but it's not locked want- down, man. And this bill wants, yeah, well, PDF is <laughs> PDF is technically an open format. I think Adobe released the, their patents on the format. And even if not, they've got to expire by now, five years. Uh, but either way, uh, PDF is is not a great format for archiving and storage. It, 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 it mimics paper, which made the transition from paper to electronic easier, but it's actually not great for analysis it's not great for uh you know pdfs are fucking awful on mobile devices or any small screen oh, yeah. because the text is one pixel per letter or something like that uh but so anyways this this bill called the federal open courts act uh is basically trying to get this 
Pacer database into the information age by making the public records, the record, they're not, they're not private. They're not protected or hidden or anything, but they're just hard to get to and trying to make it so that anyone can deep link that there is a, a public site wide search that all documents are returned in text format. Uh, and, uh, the bill specifically says for journalists and data scientists, and I'm not sure why you would gatekeep for that, but being able to download the archive in bulk. Uh, and the reason for that is uh, they want to be able to analyze judges opinions for things like bias. Now that can be abused and I can imagine a lot of judges not wanting to do it, but they're public records and fuck yes, that should be allowed. So this legislation is, is righteous and uh, would overhaul a system that has still allows lawyers to be gatekeepers. And I don't think it has a chance in hell of passing, but I just wanted to describe it because I have, made the mistake uh using uh, my my university's pacer account of trying to download documents on that before and man that site's a pain in the ass you said this legislation is righteous i don't think i ever expected you to say those words you know there are a lot of bills introduced that should be passed and those are the ones that never could they would never get past you know gatekeepers like pelosi who like oh what's on the docket today oh yeah i've got a salon appointment (laughs) i gotta get my hairs done i mean you can't but she wants to and i think there has to be at least a few people at google that are understanding this story going oh we could google would have a wet dream they would totally (laughs) archive all of it put it into their search index and then start pointing ai at it yeah and and to be honest i want that to happen I want it to happen with people other than Google, too, because I don't trust Google, but I absolutely think Google should have access to this data. This is these are public records that are owned by the taxpayers, and they are extremely difficult to get at right now. And I think that that having access to data is is a good thing in every case. Are there are other people at Google going uh, 10 cents per search result. Did you say? Um <laughs> Well, that might be what they're charging advertisers. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, it may be. It's, uh, you know, what's what's your CPI? You know, what are you what do you charge? Uh, 10 cents per. Oh, is that 10 cents per thousand clicks? 10 cents per million? No, 10 cents per click. Yes. Per, or per search result. You got 20 yeah. results on that page. Yeah. Two bucks. Uh, which is why <laughs> DuckDuckGo well, ads anyway. Yeah, we tell everybody use DuckDuckGo. And I was intrigued by this because I mean, I was. You never know, and you still don't. This is just the data they're putting out there. How much that these privacy search engines are actually used compared to Google? DuckDuckGo just came out with their stats that said the uh, August 2020 ended in over 2 billion total searches on DuckDuckGo, which is a big number. Wow. But it is a big number. I mean, not compared to. you know what Google's doing, but it said they saw over two billion searches. I don't see any reason to compare it to what Google's doing? That's a big number. That's impressive. Yes, four million app extension installations, and the company said they have over sixty-five million okay, that's active just users. Yeah, the apps and extensions. Yeah, but uh, you know everybody uses apps. Everybody uses extensions. Back in my day, we used a web interface. It was good enough for anybody. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, all you needed was one browser to, to have all. It was just. Uh, Yes, one, one browser and 85 tabs open at a time. Yep. <laughs> Netscape, one browser. For, yeah. The the tabs, I've never done that. I mean, there was there's something with Chrome now automatically putting tabs into different categories and stuff. I don't quite get it. I'm not somebody that leaves a bunch of tabs open. My wife does like 6,000 uh, tabs open at a time. 
Oh, I'm not quite there, but my current uh, Pale Moon currently has 41 tabs open. Oh my God. What did you. <laughs> that's like a sure sign, I think, of narcissism or. Uh, or schizophrenia it's something bad it's some is are you, are you gonna sit here and diagnose me no i don't have that kind of time man i don't or, nor i <laughs> nor that we have expert. A, what we have here is a clinical case of bemrose yes i don't have the kind of expertise needed to get into that uh, they did point out that they still control less than two percent of all search volume in the united states so that gives you just an idea yeah that's about right Go there. I, I mean, you know, that's that's a, almost as big as Bing's market share, and they're number two. <laughs> You're probably right. <laughs> Bing is going down, 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 and rightfully so. I mean, I have not. I know I've mentioned this before, but I switched to DuckDuckGo maybe about a year ago now as the default search engine, and I don't even really notice a difference. I don't notice a change. I don't notice being like, oh, I can't find what I'm looking for. It just works. There are very few searches. Yeah, I'll I'll have when I'm doing research for this show and there's particular things that I want to find. That's that's when I encounter searches where I cannot come up with the results in DuckDuckGo. And most of the time I can get them if I go to Bing. Uh I don't ever have to go to Google for things. Honestly, if I have to go to Google, the data's not worth having. But um their index is pretty damn good. Yeah, and it's getting better all the time. And obviously, I would think, you know, the more people use it, the more money they're generating, which means the more they can put into their infrastructure and the technology, like anything else, the longer it exists, usually the better things get. Not always. I mean, Google. so I had I had one more story and it's it's just a bit of, of schadenfreude. Oh, schadenfreude. schadenfreude. I, 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 I'm not German, so I know I'm screwing that word up, but it's a, such a cool word because I. Uh, how awesome are the Germans that they have a word for taking pleasure in someone else's fails? I, I <laughs> sure. I mean, um, the the story is from uh, Princeton University, uh, where uh, and I'll, I'll I'm not going to read it, but there's a letter in the show notes where uh, President of Princeton Christopher Eisgruber has written uh, a letter to the university committee. To explain that by virtue of uh, all of the people running the university are white, therefore we are racist and we are uh, suppressing and and you know uh, 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 screwing with you know whatever. We're basically they said we we are a racist organization and here are the steps that we need to take and you know we no matter how much we want we you know it, it's the the critical race theory the oppressors and presses it's. It's white guilt writ large. The president of the university came out and said, I have terrible white guilt and I believe that our university is racist. And the follow up was the Department of Education has informed Princeton University that it is under investigation following the school president's declaration that racism was embedded in the institution. (laughs) You must shut them down. So, uh. According to the letter the Department of Education sent to Princeton that was obtained by the Washington Examiner, such an admission from Eisgruber raises concerns that Princeton has been receiving tens of millions of dollars of federal funds in violation of Title VI of the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which declares that no person in the United States shall, on the grounds of race, color, or national origin, be excluded from participation in be denied benefits of or be subjected to discrimination under any program or activity receiving federal institutions or assistance 
which means that because the president of Princeton Institution in a massive bout of white guilt sent out a letter on behalf of the university on university letterhead saying we are a racist institution. The Department of Education is now saying then you shouldn't receive any federal funds. Einsgruber must be deplatformed. I just love that story. That's all. I don't have anything else to say. It just, uh, it, I, people if, are if stupid. Gonna, say people are stupid. O'Reilly he, talked even, about even pe- tenured professors of, of doctorate or whatever the fuck this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. O'Reilly talked <laughs> about you a university. Be that, be that stupid at the same time. I don't know. Same thing. O'Reilly talked yesterday. There was some university that had a wall that had like photos and stuff up of all like the professors that had, you know, retired or something like that. And then they realized they were all white men. So they, they had to demolish the wall because, you know, I don't know, because yeah. there were too many white men. I don't know why, how uh, but this yeah, they're, is- they're not going to stop until they've instituted some kind of eugenics program to prevent white people from from procreating. Not just white people. I mean, men, men are the problem. If you'll notice, yes, it actually, doesn't matter. You know what? You know what? That's that's what a society needs is to institute a eugenics program to prevent all men from to sterilize all men. Yeah. See, that is, you know what that is? That when a society starts doing something like that, like that, that is a self-correcting problem. Yes. It gets it eliminate really all quick. men, go to an all women society. And then, you know, all the societies that aren't that stupid will go ahead and continue. And yeah, yes. No, you know what? That's fine. Cause you know, if, if you're all women, you can just have, if, if you need men for procreation, you can just have some women transition, right? Maybe they think take, so. Take some hormones and suddenly you can father a child. That's got to work. It'll be magic, but name one male leader of the black lives matter global organization. I'll wait. There are none. Um, Leonidas. He is not. He's a guy that does a good podcast called what, um, informed dissent, informed dissent. Yeah, it's it a is good a good show. podcast. It's, it's another one of those half hour podcasts that was dropped on the stream because it's amazing. And he's just you know, kind of like Larry's show and, and what random thoughts wanted to be. And he, yeah, and he is very smooth. I'll give him that. I mean, my show is definitely more a down and dirty kind of Rush Limbaugh street fighter kind of thing. You know, where Leonidas and Larry both are just smooth, man. I dig the smooth. But uh that's another story entirely, I suppose. We do have some experts to thank for thank you, experts coming in with some support for the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast. The grumpiest podcast on the No Agenda stream and available where all finer podcasts are given away free. I mean, sometimes there's paywalls, but we don't have one. We don't have a paywall. We just expect that the value for value model, which is we do the work and we do work. Even even Ryan does work. I'm so surprised, but we do the work. And then I, I really wish you'd stop spreading lies about me. If you got anything out of the fruits of our labor, then it's up to you to figure out how much. And send that back to us in value in some way, shape, or form. Some people like to use money. That's fine. We dig money. And coming in, number one today is our buddy Cal from Lavender Blossoms. And he came in with 7227, which is code for something, I'm sure. It's probably, please get people to buy more of his awesome CBD salves and all the other stuff that he sells over at lavenderblossoms.org. And I mean, I... Yeah, keep asking my mom and my wife. It's like, uh, do, do we need more? And my mom, I mean, right now with the whole heart thing, I mean, she hasn't been using it as much on her hands and stuff because she hasn't, you know, when you can't lift anything or like push a drawer over like five pounds, I mean, the arthritis in her hands hasn't been bad. But I asked my wife, do you need more of this stuff? And she's just like, well, no, Cal sent so much when we ordered the last time that, 
you know, she's not out of it yet, but she digs does, this stuff. And does, it, does, does Cal realize that neither of the hosts of Grumpy Old Ben's uh, have, have ever partaken of marijuana? I don't know, but you don't I, have let's to. Not, let's not tell him just in case that's the thing he's, he's sending for. No, it's his magical. I mean, he has the salves without the CBD as well, but the CBD stuff. I mean, my mom tried I gotta try everything. I got to order some of this. I've got to try it. And it works. It absolutely works. Cal will take care of you if you order something. LavenderBlossoms.org. He says, thank you for your service, gents. Keep on trucking. We plan on it. And uh, but thank you, Cal. It's, uh, it's what we Cal, do. Cal is truly an expert. Yes, he is. And he knows his stuff. And I wish it was easier for him to like ship his honey by like the gallon because we had a little jar of that. And it's like, it's worth sending somebody with a truck to Michigan to pick up a big load of this stuff. It's just by the truckload. Yeah. I'm not sure that's how bees work. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them. They have a union. <laughs> there would need to be. Do you know how that the size of a bee is? <laughs> the amount of honey created by any one bee at a time is, is really quite low. They're kind of like, this is your, you're, you're setting the bar pretty high here, man. But yeah. maybe, maybe we need to get together with the number two on our list here a truck driver now i'm assuming he's got a truck if he can get some of the yeah. honey from cal podcast too i i list i checked out that podcast a little while ago and uh it's pretty good and i'm not sure why i stopped listening should you look it up that's a good question we'd like to know i didn't know he had a podcast he says enjoy he pod- well everybody has a podcast you know that it's true even even ryan bemrose enjoyed yeah, the, even power. the people who shouldn't have one See, now he's giving you a compliment, so be quiet for a minute. He says, enjoyed the power generation chat on episode 94. Keep up the great podcast. I know you were questioning that after episode 94. Like, you know, there was a lot of time we spent. Do you think anybody really cared about the wind and solar? And yeah, I thought it was fascinating. Well, I, I thought it was fascinating, which is really the only criteria that I use to bring things to the show. But afterward, I kind of go, did I waste everyone's time? No, I thought it was genius just to even compare those things because California and I mean, the West Coast entirely of the United States, really, with this push for the Green New Deal, that it sounds so pie in the sky, like, well, we could just transition to windmills and solar. And- well, we, we can if if we're willing to expend the resources to to devote 20 percent of all of our land to power generation it's possible you know or if 90 uh, percent of don't the have the resources we'll just stop using electricity that would help too yeah, well that'd be the trick wouldn't it yes a- except that the you know people are talking about oh we you know we use too much power and our health is worse from it and it turns out that in industrial societies uh health is directly correlated with how much power you use because technology keeps us alive longer if we are allowed to use it. And when we're not allowed to use it, people die. Yeah. There was a story of somebody posted in the troll room that somebody in Germany, unfortunately passed away after their hospital yeah, was hit do that. with a, uh, with a malware attack. And oh. uh, th- this is where this kind rent. of stuff's going to start getting real. Yeah, it, it, it's been real for a while. It was cold He's, acid. I should have figured it was cold acid. He has was, all the wait, good. Cold acid today. died after his hospital got hit by a malware. Attack? No, he was the one that gave me the information. Oh, okay. Cold acid's <laughs> always there with the good stuff. Yeah. Well, at, at least he's not dead in Germany. Yes. And uh, so thanks, truck driver coming in third here. Thank uh, you. A new name on the list. At least I don't remember seeing this. Christopher Belderama. It's a hell of a name. Ooh. It should be like a punk rock band guy. 
Valderrama comes in. With I don't, he bucks. sounds like an expert to me. He is. He is an expert. Sir Bemrose just proclaimed you as such. Also with 10 bucks, cold acid. Weren't we just talking about him? Yeah, uh, I think we were. Yeah, I don't know. He, he's a little sketchy. He's a podcaster. He is. And he didn't put, he didn't bring us in a note. So he probably doesn't want us to tell people to listen to Rare Encounter with Abel Kirby available on the No Agenda stream and on his podcast. Never heard of it. It's probably Rare encounter or something like that i don't is know rare encounter.net oh well that would make sense it, and it's yeah it's pretty hard to find well somebody was complaining the other day maybe it was the apple podcast listing it was one of the podcast listings and they're like hey cold acid i, I mean I'm, I'm searching for your podcast and i can't find it in the listing and i'm like it's rare encounter if it was listed everywhere it wouldn't be rare encounter <laughs> it's, anymore it's, it's so rare it's not even it's already <laughs> they're only 10 episodes in and it's already been deplatformed by apple right i mean it's it's that rare you have to do the work if you want to listen well, to cold acid podcast I, i'm pleased to report having just visited the website that there is an itunes button on the top of the site now uh, being Bemrose, I did not click on it, so maybe it doesn't go anywhere. <laughs> but I imagine if they put a button there, then they're in iTunes now. It crashes your whole browser and your computer, like the <laughs> PayPal could. thing. Actually, I'm impressed we got this many experts. If you couldn't get into PayPal, yeah. Well, I mean, I could get into PayPal. I just, uh, you know, I was after. Oh, that's it, right. You had to debase yourself after it resolved itself, and I was. Well, I could just look on the phone because I mean, it wasn't crashing the phone or anything. I was just more worried. Like, gee, I wonder if PayPal has been compromised, and thus this. This button that was supposed to go to log in was really trying to send me somewhere else. And they want my PayPal login. And because, you know, banking logins are kind of a thing. And, uh, you know, but it, it yeah, all you, worked you, out. You, and you, no, no expert would ever give their bank account login information to any service ever. No. And if you had that, to, that's between you and your bank, you if, do not give that password to other people. If you can't find Rare Encounter on your podcast app, you can go to rareencounter.net and there's a link to an RSS feed. You can plug that in manually and take part in all the fun. And, that, and the one that came in during the show, which did pop up on my phone, and I was worried for a minute because we didn't have a expert donation from Harry Hamster, but it came in during the show. Four bucks. This is like number 34. So he's like 34 times an expert now. No note. I think uh, what he meant to say, he's in the chat room. Uh, Bemrose is not up to his usual grumpiness today. When you're that much of an expert, you're, 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 you, it doesn't, your donation speaks for itself. You don't need a note every time. Yes, it does. And I think we will have a handwritten note by the next episode. I have to get to the PO box. Look like there was something in there from Sergeant Fred. He was probably happy I added him to the No Agenda stream in his podcast. What's at the 2030 podcast? It's getting hard to remember all these shows. Or did you add him to the to the stream? I never remember. I I I don't know what I did last Tuesday. So we'll look forward to to hearing from Sergeant Fred. He always has a good take on stuff, including yeah. the mail U.S. Postal Service being necessary because they can't legally spy on your communications. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was that was a point that they brought up that I, I found really I, I well, OK, I hadn't thought of it, which is why I found it interesting, because I mean, there are not my not many things I didn't think of. Yes, which is one of the yes. things the story we never got back around to was the Apple and Epic battle. The uh, oh, that's not over. No, we'll, we'll have plenty of time to analyze that. We do have plenty of time. The one thing that I hadn't thought of, the one little nugget that had really never occurred to me was the fact how much somebody like Apple could screw a company like that 
by removing the ability to sign in with, you know, these, when you go to a website and yeah, people are so lazy that they don't want to put in their email address and create a password, all of the, well, sign in with Facebook or, oh, sign in with Twitter. Well, when Apple decides to pull that sign in with Apple to your Epic account, well, now you can no longer get into your Epic account because you can't yeah, sign in with Apple. Well, theoretically, there are, that Epic should have ways of recovering your password, uh, but it's a pain in the ass for the users. And it's also a smorgasbord for the uh, identity thieves out there. So. Yeah, it's it's not a not a great situation, and the the battle rages on. I fa- I always kind of assume that once we go deep into one of these things, that that it's not we don't have to follow it. The people, it, our 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 producers are experts. They know how to follow a story, and if they're really interested, they should be doing it on their own. And I figure we'll go back to the story after something major happens. Yeah, there's more to come. There's no doubt about it. This is two heavyweights going after each other. Both have a lot of money for lawyers, which is going to make it the most fun. And and if I didn't do it properly, I do want to thank Sergeant Fred for being an expert. Uh, I did really enjoy his podcast, and I I did find it to be kind of awesome in in their last show when he was he was thanking Adam and he was thanking John Dvorak and he was thanking you and thinking void zero and like oh we want to thank all these people for putting on the stream yeah sergeant fred it was me but that's okay because uh your uh your podcast is its own reward he is he is the the same type of of uh critical theories and uh you know deep thought and analysis that we do on this show but he does it without being grumpy which is is refreshing and also a little disconcerting you're like get angry get angrier come on sergeant fred <laughs> get mad that way you can uh get along with bemrose a little bit better i don't know but we thank everybody who supports the show in all sorts of different ways listens live when we do this on the no agenda stream on mondays and fridays for the people that give us all the links to the good stuff like cold acid was doing today we always appreciate a little help i'm like hey talk about this talk about this here's an idea you guys can give it the grumpy old ben spin we appreciate that and of course we appreciate everybody that sends in a little of that value for value in the form of monetary amounts to help us keep the bandwidth going. The microphone sounding good. I mean, we might even get Bemrose to upgrade his microphone and then you <laughs> will be in for a treat. No, you will be in for a treat. But do you have anything else? I, th- that's I think probably it. No, one of these days will will come in underneath two hours again. Yeah, one day I was looking at the older shows to see where this happened. And I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't long before the, the, the length kept going up and up. But that's what happens when you have a couple of bloviators. Until next time, I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where I can bloviate with the best of them. And from America's left coast, where we are experiencing no white guilt and are therefore eligible for federal Title VI dollars. I'm Ryan Bemrose. We just can't see all the white guilt through all the smoke. <laughs>